Welcome back to BU. It's Jill Herman. You are going to love this conversation. I got to sit down with Alex Waters. Alex is uh, from Australia. I met him through the Instagram world. We were actually connected through someone I know a lot of you follow and love, Preston Smiles. And, you know, as I observed Alex, I knew that you would enjoy having a chat with him. I knew you'd enjoy learning from him. And after I decided to have him on the show, I saw a post that he shared on Instagram. And it was so beautiful. It was so just human, so real, so raw. So, you know, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. There are so many people in the world, especially on social media, and especially in the coaching and personal development world, on social media, who are not willing to show us the real them. They think that everyone wants the version of them that's going to get the the watcher, the listener, the viewer, the client to scale to a new level. But many times what creates the trust is when we get to see the humanness. And when I saw what Alex shared, I was moved to tears And I was like, that is what we need more of. That is what social media needs more of. That is what the personal development space needs more of. That's what the world needs more of. And even without knowing much about Alex, I wanted that piece of him that I saw, that real Alex, I wanted him to be willing to share that with all of you. And boy, did he deliver. So he's an accomplished master coach, lots and lots of success in business prior to getting into coaching. You'll hear that story in a minute. And he's just a nice guy. He's a father. And I know right now in real time, he's about to pick up and move and leave from Australia and move to Bali. And um, he's going to be one for you to follow and learn from and just see what, what he brings out in you when you do that. So who is Alex Waters? Alex is an international speaker and master coach. He's the founder of Explosive Expansion. Alex has impacted thousands of people's lives across the world, and he works with everyone from elite performers, pro athletes, grandparents, moms and dads, college and university students, and he helps them step into their powerful authenticity, and he helps them create a life without limits. Alex is an expert in the areas of human potential, scaling businesses, and unlocking one's most abundant experience of life. I am so happy to introduce the BU community to Alex Waters. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman, and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. Ten years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap. 
so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. All right, so I'm so happy to be with my new friend, Alex Waters. And I told you all about him ahead of time, but we were just chatting before before hitting record and I just said to him, I'm so glad I asked you to be on the show. So Alex, I first want to welcome you to BU Podcast. Totally new community for you. Thank you so much. I would say we're like 98% women, women in 120 some countries of all ages. And what we talk about every single week on the show, and you may already know this, but what we focus on isn't just like that, be you, you know, be yourself, hip, hip, hooray, you know, but really what that does that mean? Like figure out how the hell to find who you really are. How do you even figure that out? And then doing the work to find that person and then like truly authentically walking through the world as her, like really celebrating her, not, not editing, not muting, not, which is hard. And then I bring people on who are really good at helping people do that and people who have helped me do that. And sometimes I just bring people on who I just have this idea, this nudge that they're going to be well-received by this audience. And I found you because of Preston Smiles. He shared one thing in his stories of you. And he shares a lot. I don't go to every person he shares and go, oh, well, you know Preston, so you should be on my podcast. I rarely ask people to be on the show. And as you know, I immediately reached out to you and said, okay, so I'm going to be super forward. There's something about you I really like. No, I'm not flirting with you, but I really like you already. And I I would love to talk to you and get you in front of the BU audience. So I appreciate you immediately saying yes. And I'm excited about this. Yeah, so am I. And that was, I think, three or four, well, probably five months ago now. And you also introduced me to Amy, who I ended up going on a pretty wild journey with. I really appreciate you for that. Yeah, I really appreciate you. Thank you. So our listeners know who Amy is. So Amy's been on the show. So Amy, as you all know, Desire on Fire and Ellie Montgomery and Amy Batuski. And anytime someone's going to Bali, I don't say, oh, you should meet Amy. Like, I just don't do that. But I knew he was supposed to meet her. And I just said, hey, I know someone who lives there. You should connect. It turns out they had mutual friends. They were going to meet anyway. It's so crazy. I somehow picked up on that. And they did go on an interesting journey. And I wouldn't ask about it if it weren't already out on like five podcasts. So before we talk about anything else, let's just start with that. Because I about died when I saw that happen. I was like... That is so courageous. Who does that? Like just going on one of those retreats alone makes me sweat. Like I'm like, I think I really want to do that, but yet I'm nervous. So tell them what, you don't have to get into the whole thing, but what did you do? What was that retreat about? Because a lot of our listeners are very much aware of this. A lot of them probably have never even heard of it. Got it. Well, long story short, you connected me with Amy. It turns out that she was best friends with Kelly, who's dating Matt, one of my good friends. We, we all ended up out for dinner in, when I went to Bali in May 2022, so earlier this year. And you know, nothing really special happened then. Was, I was like, oh, she's cool. And that was it. And we connected on Instagram. I left back to Perth, Australia. And about four to six weeks later, I got a message from Amy. We'd sort of been messaging a little bit on Instagram. And maybe there was like a tiny bit of a, a flirty vibe and Amy was like, hey, what would you say if I asked, or can I ask you something outrageous? And um, I was like, for sure. Like, I'm all, I'm all ears. <laughs> what would you say if I 
invited you to come on a tantra retreat with me. It's a couple's tantra retreat and you're going to laugh when I tell you the name of it, but it's called Soulmate. And I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, we not kissed, we not sexted, we weren't dating, like nothing. And I was like, yeah, well, yeah, okay, I'd probably say yes. And then she's like, great, it's this Saturday. And it was like a Monday, you know, it's this Saturday, it's in Bali, da 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 And I was like, oh, fuck, I need some time to, to think about this. I've got my son to think about. Long story short, I said yes. And we ended up going on that. And it was a really powerful experience for me because it was just so healing so healing to set up such a safe space and an agreed container with a with a woman who you know and amy's an incredible woman where we were able to experience such deep intimacy like tantra is the essentially the the mm, most ancient practice of intimacy really and we'd never kissed before we I got over there, like all of that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it was just really incredible. We experienced so much, so much deep healing and intimacy and all our stuff was coming up. And for me, it was just a really great way to yeah, explore parts of myself that I'd probably not touched in and onto before. I'm so impressed that you did that. I know someone listening is like, well, of course you did it. She's gorgeous and he's a guy. But that's not how you live your life. I know that. I mean, you could have sex with anyone whenever you feel like it. That's not what it was. It wasn't about sex. It was about yeah, exploration. No. And But there are people listening that I'm sure also still don't get it. And they're they're like, crash their car. They're hearing this going, okay, what the fuck is he talking about? But will you just, yeah. just without focusing so much on what happened between the two of you, why would you suggest something like that? It could be anything, but that in spe- specifically, why would you suggest that to somebody? Even with their husband? Yeah. Well, I think that a great relationship comes down to great communication. And one of the, one of the main, main things I loved about the tantra practices that we were taught is we had to have a, a love appointment every day on this tantra retreat, which is basically an hour of sex. <laughs> an hour of sex every day for the five days that we were there. And uh, at the start of every love appointment, we had to bow down to love itself. In you know towards each other, and that I feel like epitomizes the learnings and teachings of tantra, which is that someone in a relationship right now with you know with their husband or wife, you just get caught up in the day to day, and you you know resentment builds, and this person did this, and this person's not meeting my needs in this way, and in that process of just bowing down to love itself rather than bowing down to the other person. It created a beautiful space where, you know, two people could just continue to come back to what's really important. And that's what I really loved most about it was I've experienced more intimacy there, a deeper level of intimacy with Amy in a week than I'd ever experienced in my entire life. Mm. It's like if you want to have a beautiful connected powerful relationship i think doing something like that is is mandatory that's so beautiful do you think some of that also might be that she's done so much work i mean that do you think that's why you were the two of you were able to experience that kind of intimacy because of the work you both had done prior to being there 
And do you think people who haven't done that kind of work could still experience that level of intimacy? For sure. Like, yes to both. Okay. You know, the, the work that we've both done, we were both very available for the level of intimacy that we that we connected on. And there were other couples there who were not an intimacy and sex coach like Amy is, hadn't done the amount of work that I've done and still experienced like, you know, total transformation in their relationship inside of a week. Mm. It's so crazy that most people don't even hear about things like that. Like I, I have been in looking at myself for since I was 36 is when it started. Now it was all like mindset work and honestly, a lot of bullshit for a long time, but, but still really looking at myself and I've had never, I didn't even know people did that until I heard Amy say where you were going. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Tantra is still kind of like a subcurrent in the spiritual community. It hasn't gone full mainstream yet. Like you like, like a lot of other things have like yoga or whatever, but been around it's been around for a long time and it's not just the practice of sex like i think a lot of people hear tantra and they go oh karma sutra right but it's a lot of it was like eye gazing deep connected work sensual touch you know there was a practice at the end of the closing ceremony where like i literally had to you know i was like bowing down at amy's feet and she did the same to me and it's it's really the practice of devotion devotion mm-hmm. to one another, to love, to your intimacy. Mm, sounds beautiful. Yeah, okay. It was. Back to Alex, the coach. So there are so many things I could ask you to share. And we both agreed ahead of time not to plan what was going to come up. What, as Alex, the human, not as Alex, the coach, are you feeling most right now that you feel could touch the heart of someone who's listening today? Mm-hmm. Well, what we discussed in our conversation yesterday, what I'm currently navigating in my life is how to continue to allow myself to be human and have my own human experience, which is the opposite of perfection, whatever that is, whilst putting myself out there as a leader and someone who helps other people transform their lives. And, you know, to be more specific, I am right in the middle of, well, about six weeks left of a four-month group coaching program called Explosive Expansion that I that I run. And the last six weeks, I've been sort of struggling, like really in my personal life, just haven't been feeling, haven't been feeling good, haven't at times really wanted to hold space for other people. And have just been like a bit over it, you know, in my own life, even though everything in front of me looks like, well, why should I be feeling this way? Because like everything's going well. Yeah, I've been really navigating that and struggling to at points because of this story that I've told myself of like, I need to have it all together. I need to have it all together so that people feel that I'm credible. I need to have it all together so that people respect me and want to listen to me Mm -hmm. and want to keep buying things from me. And Mm -hmm. I think that denial of my own humanness and feelings is what actually had me feeling stuck for most of the time because I was like, oh, I don't want to feel this, push it away. You know, I'm, I'm in my program, I'm teaching about abundance and like bliss and here's me on the inside being like, I fucking hate this right now. Fuck my life. You know? <laughs> 
fuck my life. Fuck my life. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, man, I tried everything. I tried everything. I tried gratitude practices. I tried everything that I know, all the tools, and nothing would shift it. And, you know, I'm still kind of in it, but not not to the same degree. Like I'm, I'm sort of coming out the tail end and like integrating a lot of the lessons and learnings. But, yeah, I think, you know, I put up a post last night that you said you resonated with and something that really came through for me was I'm sharing my lessons and learning as I share. And, yeah, I, I think for too long we've lived in a society where we pedestal perfection or what we perceive as perfection, perfectionism, and that shows up in how we vote our politicians in and leaders and how we condemn people as soon as they make a mistake or say one wrong word sentence or whatever. And for me, I just realized like how I was feeding into that narrative myself through my own, through choosing not to be the embodiment of my work, which is authenticity. And yeah, that actually, it's so okay just to be human. There may never, probably will never come a point in time where I stop going through periods of like, oh, this is challenging right now. I'm feeling a bit sad or lonely or whatever else. And yeah, just accepting and surrendering Mm -hmm. into that. I feel like even outside of like the coaching world or what I would call like the spiritual world, well, not the spiritual world, the people who say that they're really spiritual, the spiritual leaders, the coaches, even outside of that, I feel like people are just sick and tired of everyone looking like they have their shit together all the time. They're they're not attracted to it anymore. I'm going to say mm. we, that's how I'm, I'm not attracted to it anymore. I, of course, I probably want you to have your shit together a little more than me if you're going to be my coach, right? Like, I, I want you to be a few steps ahead of me. But what's so attractive is when someone who is in a space where they're choosing to teach, and again, if they're 10 steps ahead of me or 50,000, it doesn't matter, but they're teaching me something. I personally feel that it's really attractive when they're not like, you know, the wounded healer. I'm so, and, and, and like saying, oh, I'm just such a fuck up. And because people will praise that. I, I said something on Facebook. Uh, You're probably too young to be on Facebook, but I use Facebook more than Instagram. And I use Instagram because I'm, I just do, but not much. But on Facebook, I said something like, I know how to get a lot of likes. I know how to get, I'm, to be like candy. It's not very hard. You have to either, you know, post a lot of pictures of like kids and animals and be very basic, very vanilla, as you say. Or be super wounded and open about that. And everybody wants to rescue you. And they also want to celebrate that you're more fucked up than them. Like I used to do that. (laughs) But I will say outside of that, when you look at like people like you, like you're a successful coach. Like I'm not going to have someone on who just learned how to be a coach yesterday. I mean, you're a very successful coach. It's not about the money, but you make great money. And I always say very openly, the the amount of money you earn in any business is the measurement of how good you are at it and how dedicated you are. So you're really good at it. You're dedicated. And I personally would say that you sharing that reel that you shared for you last night, for me this morning, it was so beautiful, Alex. It wasn't like, I'm fucked up too. I'm not perfect, even though I'm your coach, because you see that stuff. It was just so human. And it was just, I don't know how to describe it because I feel a lot of things, but I felt like, okay, that's the guy I'm excited to have on the show. 
I like that you're successful. I love that you're a coach. I love that you do all that. But the fact that you showed that and you didn't run from it and hide from it was so attractive. And that I believe a lot of people who maybe haven't signed on as a client so far with you, maybe that's the door for them where they're like, okay, thank God. Now I'm in, you know, because it doesn't mean, you know, when we look at like these people, like the the people who are, again, paid coaches, et cetera, it doesn't mean that we are hoping they fail or we're hoping that they mess up or hoping to catch them in a mistake. It's not that. I'm sure some people do that. Maybe after you have a blue check mark, people want you to do that. I don't know. But I really believe the human in me and a lot of the people listening, I would say, identifies with that human in you that just said, you know what? This is a struggle. This is not easy. I, I do battle that perfectionism and I, I'm kind of tired of it. And I feel like that's going to be the new way to be successful online is to, for lack of a better term, be you. But really, like really show all of that. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, I just like I kind of ask myself, what, what am I actually here for? What, what am I supposed to be coaching people about or like supporting people with? And yeah, it's cool to make more money and it's cool to achieve more and it's cool to like, you know, understand yourself more. But for me, like I've just had this, this identity specifically has been one that just creeps back in and like takes a grip of me. And it's like, uh, oh, I'm, I've landed here. Now I need to have it all together in this little bubble here. And it just, it just prevents me from being the most authentic version of Alex in any given moment. Cause, cause then anything that comes up, any emotion, any words, anything that I want to express is filtered through the lens of, is this going to be perceived as having it together? And yeah, I, I just come back to that question. Like, I don't, actually think i don't actually believe that i'm here to help people have it together more it's just i think that if we can be at peace with who we are and accept where we're at in any given moment that's really what life is about you know the the rest kind of takes care of itself you know it's like if i accept myself and love myself completely and just accept where i'm at and 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 trust that it requires a deeper level of trust and faith than controlling and controlling a narrative and controlling a perception and yeah i really believe that that's when our biggest blessings come to us and that's certainly what i've experienced in my life because we're all vibrating at an internal frequency and what we put on the outside is often not a match for that internal frequency mm. You know, mm-hmm. and so therefore, we don't get back the experience of life that we want. We get back an experience of life that matches the frequency we're putting out, even though it's not our deepest, truest frequency inside. And so, that's that's actually why I speak about authenticity so much because I really believe that our biggest blessings in life are things that are beyond our mind's perception. Like you probably have that in your life right now. Where you're like, man, I couldn't have made this up like i at one point my mind couldn't conceptualize having this because your mind is just based on fear and limitation and it's just when you own yourself completely that everything starts flowing to you because you're just energetically in alignment with 
what your truth is. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that's hard to do. <laughs> sometimes that's hard to do, you know. <laughs> like it's it's been a bit of a challenge because I'm like, fuck, what if people think I'm weak? What if people think I'm weak because I'm struggling right now? And what if people don't want to be coached by me or all of those things? At the end of the day, I think I've just gone through enough pain in my life, pain and suffering that's been created from me not being the embodiment of my authenticity that I just remember that. I remember how how much pain I've experienced in my life from all the decisions that I made out of alignment and and I'm like man so what so what if no one wants to be coached by me like I'd rather just be me yeah I'd rather just you know I'd rather just be true to me like fuck whatever like yeah I mean clearly um, the people who think that are not people who would ever coach with you anyway or you'd want to coach if they think that and they'll, they'll go to somebody else that's fine but it's Oh, I'm so glad you're sharing this. Was think of all the people listening to this who maybe have done very little work, you know, transformation work. I think most people listening to my podcast probably do a lot, but many of them and probably most are not coaches. So imagine how freeing it is for them to hear you say that because if you can't let yourself do that, how the hell are they supposed to let themselves do that? Like, mm. you know, they've got kids, they've got jobs, they've got bills, they've got, and they're, you know, maybe in the last two years in their 40s, they just heard the word somatic. They're like, what the fuck is that? I've been like going to therapy for 10 years. Yeah. Really? And because yeah. by the way, that was me. You don't know that. That was me two years ago at 49. Wow. It's the first time I heard that word. Yeah. After years and years and years of talk therapy and Tony Robbins and all the personal development stuff and climbing telephone poles and all the stuff I did in these courses thinking I was conquering myself. And there are women listening right now that are like, thank God you just said that because I feel that way every day. And if you don't let yourself show me that one glimpse on social media, then what the hell does that say about me? Mm. Yeah, such a great point. Yeah. Right? Because if you've done more work than me, you should be able to love all of yourself better than me. Yeah, totally. And that's that's right. It's just loving ourselves doesn't mean I'm going to be happy. Feeling abundant doesn't mean I can't feel sad. You know, I I just had this drop through yesterday. I was like, I can feel abundant in the experience of feeling sad like oh what a blessing how grateful i am to to feel this much yes even if you know something bad quote unquote yes and how grateful am i to know that i can give myself permission to even feel it and then how grateful am i to even know that feeling it is healing and how you could just go on and on and on and on what would be an example you said a little bit ago when you're talking about frequency, you're talking about, you know, what we're putting out there is that matching. Will you give maybe just even hypothetical examples? Think of a a woman in her mid to late 30s. She's a mom. She's got three or four kids. She's working. And how would you say she might be putting out something that isn't matching her internal frequency? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I have a client right now who's like in this particular age group, you know, and it's as simple as this. Let's say we're in a group and someone tells the the funniest joke, 
you've ever heard. Like this shit will have you laughing for days, right? And this woman looks around the group. Everyone is like cracking up laughing and she's just like, <laughs> and inside she's like, laughing a lot more but on the outside isn't really letting herself go like isn't just really letting herself be completely taken by that laughter well that's just one example of your internal frequency not being matched by your external expression and another version is not speaking your truth so you know what's true for you in here oh let's go let's go right here let's say you're actually not happy in your relationship right now. You're a woman and you are actually dissatisfied with your marriage. You're not happy with the way your husband's showing up for you. You're not experiencing enough sex. You wish that it could be better. And you've just resigned yourself to that. You, you aren't speaking up. You aren't actually asking for what you want. You aren't actually telling the truth of how you feel. That continue by, by dishonoring your truth, you continue to keep yourself in your comfort zone, which is what you know and what feels safe, but you also continue to, to perpetuate and create an experience of life that isn't actually what you deeply desire. And a lot of the times in these situations, people I work with, um, they think the worst case scenario. They think well, my marriage is going to fail, uh, you know, what if I told my husband that I flirted with the other man, another man a couple of weeks ago, like I was unfaithful or whatever, how's all that going to go down? And the worst case scenario is I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm going to be unhappy for the rest of my life. And that from my perspective is an avoidance of what life is about, which is cycles of death and rebirth, cycles of death and rebirth. And Death doesn't have to mean a complete relationship breakdown. It could just mean a death of the old paradigm, the old way of relating with your husband, that when you start to step forward and express your truth of, hey, I'm actually not happy right now. Hey, I don't feel connected with you. I would like to feel wooed and seduced by you. By expressing that truth, he then has to make decisions and gets to make decisions about how he wants to show up from that point. It's in the avoidance of truth where a lot of people swim and they they never get what they want in life. Yeah, and they don't get that everything else in life is connected to that relationship. So if they free themselves and say what they want, even if he never gives them that and they end up divorced, I know you know this, then they've unlocked this whole new world of abundance just because they were able to speak their truth. Yes. Exactly, which comes back to the mind cannot comprehend the blessings that are actually truly meant for us. When we step into trusting what is true inside, our most authentic expression, and we trust that and let it out, we let life unfold for us. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be butterflies and rainbows. You know, there will be a winter, there will be a storm, and summer's on the other side of that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, so my husband and I are each on our second marriage. Okay. We were each married for 18 years before we both got married very young, right before my 23rd birthday. Holy shit. A lot of reasons for that. So we both got married very young. We were both married to people for 18 years. We went to high school together, by the way. 
never dated in high school, never dated. I knew who he was. He knew who I was. I thought he was a great guy, super nice, totally different peer groups, social groups. That's a funny story. I'll tell you separately. But anyway, my point is that when I went through a divorce and I was the one who said to my husband at the time, I can't live like this anymore. I I literally can't live like this anymore to the point where like I'm done today. Like there's no going for it. it, Like I'm done today and we're divorcing like tomorrow. When that, when I made that decision, I can't. And then my husband says that he experienced the same thing when he did. So many people I know were also prisoners and were so afraid to speak the truth that they critiqued us and criticized us. And, and, and I know they were jealous. Many of them, it was like, you know, religious programming, things like that. But there were people who confidentially would come to us, Alex, and say, oh my God, you have no idea. I've also been married almost 20 years. Aren't you worried what people are going to say? Aren't you? And they, they were so afraid. And I look back and now I'm eight and a half years into this amazing marriage with my best friend. We have this amazing family, amazing life. And I look back at those people and I think, oh my God, you're still in prison. Now, I don't mean marriage, but I mean, I know, and they've told me they're still miserable. So this isn't about telling people to get a divorce, but you hear what I'm saying. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that that shows up in life everywhere. You know, people staying in a job that they hate because it feels safe and comfortable for them, not speaking their truth, not following their heart's desire and starting that business or starting a podcast or following the passion. And, you know, it's like the mind can only measure what it's going to lose. It can't measure what it's about to gain. Mm, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's always looking for what's wrong. So it can only measure what it could lose. It can't measure or even comprehend what could possibly be gained, right? Because the caveat is you have to lose it first. Correct. You have to lose it first and then your brain gears up and can show you. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? It's always far beyond. I mean, you know, I used to be a diehard like in Bible studies as a Christian. And, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember where this is in the Bible, but it it says that God gives us so much more than we could ever ask for or imagine. So whether you use God or whatever word people use, it's just like what you're saying. Your brain can't even comprehend what is available. And you can't get it until you unshackle yourself. But you're going to sit there and go, but I really only see a cheeseburger. And you're like, you have no idea. There's a whole buffet for like days, you know? (laughs) So American. (laughs) It is so American, isn't it? Yeah. So in your experience as a coach, let me ask you this, or even just as a man, what would you like to share with our mostly female audience that they likely do not know about men, that men desperately want women to know, or that you as a coach want us to know about our men? Oh, this is a great question. Yeah, most women are unknowingly emasculating their men by not trusting their men, not trusting his leadership. And it comes from, it actually comes from the same inability to trust life, I think. Because when you trust life, you can trust another human being. Uh, You don't trust that they're never going to make a mistake. You just trust 
their word, you trust their integrity, you know, you trust that they've got the right intentions in store for you. And uh, most men will go out of their way to do anything that is required of them if they are given acknowledgement and appreciation. Mm. Say that one more time. Most men will go above and beyond. Go above and beyond. Would like run an ultra marathon for you if you asked, if they were just only met with love and appreciation. And I think that there are a lot of women, especially mothers, that swim in victimhood based on what society has told them they should be experiencing. And their man gets home from work, if it's a traditional, you know, traditional family. The man gets home from work and he then has to become, you know, involved with the children and um, doing things around the house. And there's, I think, often a lack of appreciation for what that man's just done. And often in relationships, especially when relationships aren't working, there can be a tip for tat. It's like, I'm doing more than you. No, I'm doing more than you. And actually both people are doing their best for, for their family, for each other, for the relationship. Yeah. And I think if women were just to, to shift their lens more often than not onto what they do have, what is being done, uh, yeah, you know, appreciate that. Like as Preston says, what, what you appreciate appreciates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big game changer in my marriage was like, it sounds so basic, but it's so obvious. And I would probably tell other people to do this in life, but I wasn't doing it where our coach was Stephanos. And he was like, I wasn't, well, one, there were a lot of things like I had resentment. And, but once we sifted through all that, it was so like connected to what we've already talked about. When we talked about frequency, when you talked about focus, when you talked about your mind can't even comprehend how great it can be is what you just said, just focusing on what he does do that I love, what I am appreciative of that he does. Because my mind, every mind goes to the negative, but mine really went to the negative. Like I am very critical. I can be a perfectionist, um, very type A. I could never trust the masculine. I grew up with a father who didn't take care of us and I was abandoned. I have all these issues, had all these issues that were clouding my the way I could see this amazing man in front of me. And sometimes he would say to me, my God, like, what the fuck do I need to do? Like, look what I do. And I finally woke up to it. And so I would just say, I agree with you. Now, some of you hearing this might be really triggered by what he said. What do you mean? He's assuming every woman stays home and doesn't work. No, he didn't say that. He said, if it's a traditional home, if, but whether you're working outside the home or not, are you willing to ask yourself, do I do that? And yes, he might do it with you too, but that's not what we're talking about. Do you focus more on the toilet seat being up and the leaving the toothpaste out or him, you know, the way he does this or that, or he doesn't unload the dishwasher correctly? Or is he not the romantic, you know, what version of what you see online or what you see in movies or on TV? And I just remember kind of complaining to myself. I got in this rut, like, well, I wish you would do this and I wish you would do that. And why isn't he like this? And I'm like, my God, I looked outside and here he was like doing like yard work that I sure as hell don't want to do. 
and sending me a text saying, hey, by the way, do you want me to pick up some dinner for us? But I just couldn't see it. Mm. So that's interesting that you shared that. That's re- that's really good. I mean, obviously it applies to everybody, but because you're a man and because you work with a lot of men, I wanted to hear, is there anything else? What would you say about like men and their little boy or men and vulnerability or something along those lines? I just have this feeling that you'd have something nice to share about that that would be really touching for women to see their man in a different way. Mm. Yeah, I think I think because most like men generally take on the responsibility of holding everything. You know, it can be and feel challenging for a man to be uh, or to show his emotions around his partner or with his his wife because he perceives and has put on himself through just his masculine energy that he needs to have it all together. He needs to hold the whole space and. I think often uh, if women are coming from a wounded place, they can, um, you know, want to like jab that out of, out of a man. Oh, why aren't you more, why aren't you more emotional? Why don't you share this with me? Blah, blah, blah. And actually, if men are given a safe space and a soft place to land, which is one of the most beautiful gifts of a woman and a mother and therefore a partner as well men will will usually open up you know if given that space it's like in an if two people are arguing right there's like going at each other the moment that someone shows a more vulnerable emotion or a softer emotion everything just melts right it's like if the woman starts crying the man just like oh fuck and just starts softening immediately and everything comes down. And and it's in those spaces, I think, that the woman has to be the one to, to lead with that energy. Um, not necessarily coming from conflict. That's just an example. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. I mean, I mean, we could go off on so many tangents with this, but when I learned about like masculine and feminine dynamics and I learned how powerful it was for me to be like in my feminine and what that would do that actually brings out the man that you say you wish your husband or partner is, you know, it brings that out just naturally. And I also, I just want to echo back what you said about men feeling like they need to like be the rock all the time and hold everything and hold her. And nowadays they're also told they're not they're too masculine they need to be more sensitive they need to be like i I would imagine that's confusing and difficult for a man because we want this you know every woman is attracted to this we say oh we don't want macho yeah we do like it's super hot it's super attractive but women aren't willing to admit it or that we love a man that takes charge and follows through and keeps his word and also says hey we're going to dinner Oh, okay. Let me get dressed. You know, and this is where yeah. we're going. Not, hey, what do you want to eat? Where do you want to go? You know, I don't know. But yet we complain that if he makes, that he makes the decisions for us and doesn't let us be a strong enough woman, et cetera, et cetera. But what I have found even in my own relationship is that it's actually the opposite of what I thought. You know, it's the opposite. It's that softening and me being appreciative that brings out the sort of dream guy. 
Mm. It just creates space for him to be in his more natural state. You know, men want to lead. Men want to be able to make decisions. They just don't want to be criticized when they do. (laughs) They want to be given the space to do it and like that to be trusted. And that feeds into the polarity dynamics of relationships. Whereas like if, if that is unfolding and the woman is dropping more into her feminine, allowing her man to lead and trusting him and appreciating his leadership, it will usually create more desire and spark in the, in the bedroom as well. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours. And I'm so glad we did not decide ahead of time what we were going to talk about. I mean, this is taking turns that I never expected. And thank you for playing along and just being like, I'm just throwing anything at you. And you're like, sure. That's the makings of a great coach, by the way. So let me ask you this. Why did you decide after years of being in this business and being successful, why did you decide to enroll in the same coaching institute that I graduated from? Elementum is something I've mentioned several times on the show. I really admire you for doing that. Why did you decide to do that? Well, I've only ever had one other like formal coach training. I don't don't have any certifications. Like I've got one certification, a basic NLP certification. I've just got a lot of lived experience and I've worked with some of the best coaches around the world, which has made me a great coach. Worked with meaning you were a client. Yeah, I was a client. You know, I was a client of Boston's and, you know, all that kind of thing. So... Yeah, why did I enroll? I just wanted to stretch myself. I wanted to become better. I wanted to see where I could improve. And yeah, I mean, I actually haven't been coaching for a long time. I've been running retreats for three years now, but I only took on my first one-to-one coaching client in in October 2021. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing business coaching before that and stuff like that. But um, I mean, my background is I've just been a really successful entrepreneur. I've also just got a lot of lived experience I've had. If you look at my resume of life, I've had a lot of extreme experiences for a 32-year-old. That's actually what makes me a great coach. I am so glad you shared that because I so agree. I mean, you cannot... It's so funny. We We actually have a lot in common, but you cannot put a dollar amount or you can't measure what real life experience teaches you, even if you're at a young age, because clearly it started when you were probably very young. But even just trauma, just experiencing a lot of trauma, we can hold more than other people. We can hold more than other people. And you you get through that and you're just a different breed, right? And then the fact that you had business experience, I always say, you know, yes, I hear people talking about, and I'm not discounting ayahuasca and all that stuff, but I mean, people talk about like, oh, ayahuasca and this and that. I'm like, you know what? Start a business and actually make it successful and stick with it. Start selling and sell until you sell millions Mm. and or have a child and then raise that kid to 18. I mean, that right there is some fucking life coaching experience. Like no certification can even touch that. So I have that experience and thank you just gave me a gift and no kidding because what Preston would tell you is even though he doesn't know me well, what I kept saying in Elementum is, well, I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. I'm just, everybody knows, everybody knows I'm the one that's not a coach and I don't care. I'm never going to coach. I'm just here for my own growth. That's what I told everybody yeah. because I didn't plan to coach, but I also, it was something I could hide behind too. But as I observed and after I finished the program and you just confirmed how I felt, I'm like, you know what? 
I think I'm a pretty good coach because of what I've lived through and what I've done. Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I, I don't want to sit around and like shit on people who like really just go out to become a coach, but I think that it's become a little bit of a fad and a trend to, uh, I can coach people. And more often than not, people, I mean, you know, this is what drew me to coaching as well, right? So I'm not shitting on it. But more often than not, people are drawn to it through their own journey of going through the shit. And, you know, that's what it takes. It takes someone who actually cares about other people, cares about and can see the benefit of processing and healing through a lot of trauma or, you know, limiting beliefs or whatever it is in your life to want to be a coach. But I don't think you can certify your way to embodiment. Mm, So good. Let's put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You can't. You can't. And once you have experienced any level of embodiment, you can spot it and you can spot the people who don't have it. I mean, it's, I 100% didn't have it for years. I was good at what I did because I was really good at teaching and I was never a bullshitter. I was always honest. So people were drawn to me. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. No clue how to do that, but I do know how to do this. And I would just teach people and they would pay me. And but I could only go so far. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I got my own coach who was Steph that I was like, holy mother of God, what the hell are you doing to me? And why am I torturing myself like this? But after that experience and then going through Elementum for me personally was very challenging and it brought up a lot of stuff. After that, I agree with you that I can very clearly spot embodiment and not to pick on coaches. I mean, like every career has this, but there are a lot of coaches. I agree, especially now because of social media. I would say that all you need are those beads and a hat, (laughs) whatever that fucking hat is. What's the hat everybody in Austin wears? Like you have the hat and you've got the beads. I used to say, I don't speak Christianese. I would go to Bible studies, but I'm like, I don't speak Christianese. I just, I'm not that person, (laughs) but I'm that way with, with the whole coaching world and the spirituality world. It's like, I don't speak the language. Maybe it's a bit of a rebel in me, but you throw out these certain words and then people go, oh, ping, ping. You know, I was on a retreat recently in Tulum and I made a joke and I was like, look, I'm totally cool now because this 27 year old next to me on this retreat literally has vulva earrings. And by the way, I said vulva, not vagina. So I'm even more elevated in my embodiment. Right. And someone else has those beads on. Two of them are wearing a hat and they keep using these same words over and over again. Like, like they're Americans that say partner instead of husband or boyfriend. And they say conscious uncoupling instead of I just dumped his ass. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but you get it. So it's like there's that. But then there are people like you who truly are in it to make a difference for people and help people, but not from a wounded place. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I see that. Yeah, like I don't actually believe people buy me or buy tickets to my events or coaching with me because of any certification I've got because like I don't advertise it because I don't really have any, um, (laughs) you know, besides the one I'm about to complete. Um, I, I think people just, people buy other people's energy. For me, as well, this is just a timely reminder because I've been I've been really sitting with lately the question around all of this, like what makes me qualified or like ready or you know good to be people's coaches? And obviously, like 
there's proof and evidence in people's results. But I think for me, I just challenge myself to go, all right, well, what am I doing in my own life? How am I stretching myself in my own life to to continue to be the example for what I preach or what I want to set? And, you know, what challenges am I setting myself in my life to push myself beyond my limitations and outside of my boundaries and all of that stuff outside of just coaching people? You know what I mean? 100%. 100%. Like I, I would never pay a coach who hasn't been coached and spent a lot of money on coaches ever. Never. And I would never pay a coach who hasn't been through shit and isn't willing to talk about it. And I would never pay a coach who's not willing to tell me that they're human and that they have bad days and that sometimes they suck. I would never pay a coach who wouldn't do those things. That's why, again, when I saw the reel that you posted, I was I thought it was so refreshing because so many people are afraid to be real. They're so afraid to be themselves. And I've really appreciated this conversation. I'm happy for those listening that they found you. And I'm, I always follow my intuition. My friend has a sweatshirt that says, my intuition knows her shit. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm also glad I got to meet you. You're, you're about the age of my, my oldest nephew. And it's amazing, you know, when you look at people, no judgment whatsoever. But when, you know, there are people who are really looking inward and really, really focusing on waking up and waking other people up. And there are people that just aren't, and that's okay. And I'm always drawn to people who live that and and teach it. And I just want you to know that I, I really see you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I also see how much you value fatherhood, by the way. I love that you put that on social media and you don't hide that. I mean, you could. I just love seeing you with your son. It's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, he's amazing. Biggest gift of my life, Atlas, you know, mm-hmm. made me a better, a better man in every way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started to wrap, but I want to say one more thing. I was just saying today to a friend of mine, I said, you know, what I would say about healing work, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I look and I'm still super young, but I'm older than you. And I would say my youngest just turned 18. My youngest just turned 18. And the work you are doing, Alex, and the work that people are doing who are actually, you know, really going out there and teaching and coaching people is so important because I didn't know of this work. And I joked on the retreat, someone said they were saying something like 27 or something. And she's like hard on herself about something. I'm like, listen, honey, I was popping out babies unconsciously for years at your age. You're fine. Like you're fine. But, but the work that you are doing and the people I bring on the show are doing is so, so important. I know you know this, but I want you to hear from someone whose youngest is 18. I didn't know about this work. And so I married young and I, I, I married someone who battled addiction. And then I just had baby after baby and, and, and I suffered, but my children, Alex, youngest being 18 right now are unpacking so much shit because I didn't know of the work that you and others do. So the fact that you're doing this with people and with many people before they've even had kids or maybe while their kids are still young, it it creates a ripple effect for generations and generations. And I just wish, and I urge everybody who's listening to, I wish everybody would wake up to that because it really does change everything. And you, until your youngest is 18, and you see all the trauma that they now get to unpack. And I get their soul contracts and all that. But 
just speaking as a mom in real life here, until you see your youngest at 18 and all your kids having to now pay coaches and unpack all the stuff that you unknowingly put on them, you don't really get the impact of this work. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for being on. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. Great to connect face-to-face. I know. And and how can they find you, by the way, Alex? Instagram is probably the best best way. Just at Alexander Waters. Hit me up. Connect with me. I'm single. <laughs> We've got a lot of amazing, beautiful listeners from all over. You never know. I'm going to take credit <laughs> for that one, too. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. That that would be a, an amazing role for you to play for me in my in my life. Just a conduit, you know, of uh, dating connections. I'm actually, I actually am a very good matchmaker. So I I don't I don't just like say everybody should meet, but I have a friend. I used to be a nurse, and I worked with her, and I was like, you know what? There's a guy I know, and I really think you should meet him. And they went on one date, and she's like. I'm going to marry that guy. And five years later, they were married. True story. Uh, Wow. There you go. You You had it here first. That's right. All right. Thank you so much, Alex. Have a beautiful day. We'll see you uh, on the gram, as they say. Yes. Thank you so much. See you soon. 